My name is Richard Kennedy. For those of you who are guests today, we want to, uh, I know we've had uh, lots of people coming and visiting, so we want to say thank you if you're a visitor today. Uh, I'm one of the pastors here at Crossroads, and um, we're just so excited today to talk through the book of Job. The book of Job is a book of suffering, and we see at the end that God is the hero. And uh, I want to show you how to get to the book of Job. If you open up right to the middle of your Bible, you might land in Psalms or Proverbs. Go to the left, and you'll land in Job. The book of Job, we started it last week, and we're going to finish it today. And it's, the story, it's just a story. It is a cohesive story of a man's life, particularly his suffering, a man named Job. And... Uh, the mind is created for understanding. So, 2 plus 2 equals 4. 4 times 4 equals 16. That's what I'm talking about. Your mind loves that resolution, that you, you, you have a problem and you know the answer. However, there's a problem in life. We don't know everything. But when we come to problems... In life, we try to figure out the answer. We always do that. It, it's kind of rare that you'll come to a problem in your life and you're like, eh, I don't, I don't really care to know the answer for that. Some people do, but a, a lot of times when you don't know the answer, when there's a, a thing that's uncertain in your life, uh, it bothers you. That is normal. One of the things that we don't understand is suffering and evil. That is a problem. It is absolutely a problem, and everyone... When they suffer, they ask the question, why am I suffering? Job asked the same question. The realm of the emotions and the will and the mind, those parts of us, the spirit, the soul, those are parts of us that are hard to understand. They're hard to articulate and explain to people. When you go through suffering, when you go through a hard time, your emotions are crying out. Your body might be crying out. It's easy to explain like my hand hurts because I have this thing in my wrist and now I can't do push-ups because I have a thing in my wrist that hurts. Um, it's like I have to find some other exercise to do. It's really annoying. But I can point to it. That hurts. The realm of the emotions is a lot more difficult to explain. And that is what cries out. Your heart cries out when you go through a suffering, whether it's loss of a loved one, uh, whether it's physical trauma that you've gone through, whether it's uh, some type of persecution, whether someone was mean to you, whether someone bullied you at school. All of these things are types of suffering or evil that we experience. Suffering is common. It is normal. Everyone knows what suffering is. However, some people experience suffering to a greater degree, some to a lesser degree. Um, we have lots of people in our church family that have are experiencing forms of physical suffering right now who are who are walking through that and we have just everyone if if you're not walking through anything difficult you're in the minority when i was in 7th grade i went out for the football team i was a baseball player i was not a football player 
And so I tried out for the football team. Actually, you just join the football team. They'll take anybody. And I decided that I wanted to be a wide receiver because I wanted to score that touchdown. So I'm seventh grade. I'm not very big. Like I'm, you know, I'm, I'm just not one of the, I'm one of the not bigger guys. And so I get fitted my pads that first week and it's, it's the first day of like actually like playing and I get out, I, I learn how to, you put your right foot forward and the quarterback's on that side, down set hut and I'm running out for that pass, that slant, fake left, go right, catch the ball, boom! And I'm on the ground and I'm like, I don't, I, I don't have any breath, I'm down, I'm out, like what just happened? Suffering is like that. It hits you, and it comes out of nowhere, and you're just laying there, and you're like, I don't know what just happened, but I got I to gotta fix it. I got to figure this out. So that's what happened to Job. We learned last week that Job suffered because he was righteous. We have this scene of the uh, council of, of God. The angels are before God. And the Satan comes in God's presence. And God's like, hello, Satan, what are you doing here? He's like, well, I've been going back and forth around the earth. We know that Satan is the accuser. He's looking for someone to destroy. That's what he does. That's what he likes to do. God actually says, have you considered Job? He is very righteous. And Satan's like, no, nah, he, only, he only worships you and loves you because you've given him all the riches of life. You've given him everything. He, that's why he loves you. God says, okay, you can, you can take everything from him, but do not kill him. So as we talked about last week, Satan actually destroyed his kids. His, all of his, uh, he took all of his possessions, basically. Uh, he, he did not take his wife, and he took, he gave Job a, some sort of physical ailment that caused sores all over his body. And he's, he just, he got hit hard, and he's just going, what just happened? And uh, you can relate to that, I'm sure. There's been a time when you got hit, and you're just going, I don't even know, how do I make sense of this? I don't know what to say, think, do, feel. I don't know anything. And Job has these friends that show up in his life. And for seven days, they are fantastic friends. You know why? They didn't say anything. They just didn't say anything. They showed up, and they're like, Job, I heard you were suffering bad. They showed up like a good friend does. He shows up, and they just didn't say anything. Then when they started talking, that's when they became not good friends. So, I want to open up to Job chapter 13 at first, and I want to see how Job responds to his friends. Job's friends started talking. They should have never started talking. They started talking and started saying bad stuff, wrong stuff about God. Some of the stuff they said was right. They were giving glory to God, but then the gist of what Job's friends were saying was, um, Job, the reason you are suffering is because God is punishing you. Have you ever heard anyone say that before? Have you ever thought that? God's punishing me. I better act right so God doesn't punish me. That is exactly what Job's friends were telling them. So not only is Job physically suffering, 
Now he's got these friends who are pointing their fingers at him with the Bible, saying they're criticizing with the Bible. God, you better get right. You're in sin, Job. It's like, oh my goodness. Job's like, what in the world? So here we go, Job 13, first couple of verses. He's responding to his friends. Behold, my eye has seen all of this. My ear has heard and understood it. What you know, guys, I also know. I'm not inferior to you. But I, I would speak to the Almighty, and I desire to argue my case with God. As for you, you whitewashed with lies. Worthless physicians are you all. Oh, that you would keep silent, and it would be your wisdom. All right, we'll stop there. So, here's the point that we learn here. If you, if you want to fill out your sheets here, point one. Point two. We must be careful not to give or receive bad counsel and rebuke. We must be careful. Guys, our words matter. All of us carry weight with what we say. It is important to get theology right, as in what we think about God. Because our actions are directly a result from what we believe. If we believe something to be true, we will act in, a, in accordance with that. So, correct theology is very important. If you are a teacher, a lot of you guys teach uh, class or Bible study, uh, preach. There are all different types of teaching ministries right here in this congregation in our church. I want to challenge you and encourage you to uh, humble yourself before God and to uh, just continue to challenge yourself to get it right. It is, it is possible to get it wrong, just like Job's friends, and you can think that you're right. That is not to scare you, it's just to say, hey, just be careful, it is weighty what you say. And at the end of the book, we see that Job's friends were actually held accountable by God for their bad theology. Because remember, what we believe directly impacts how we act. This raises the question, how can we know that our interpretation of a biblical passage is the right one? We know that there is there are some con confusing passages in the Bible. There are passages in the Bible that some of us would disagree with. Some might have this opinion. Some might have this opinion. How can we be sure, if we're a teacher of the Bible, that we are rightly interpreting it? Great question. Here's what I'd say. If, you're, if you are reading a novel, you probably start on page one. And you probably read it all the way to the end. In, during the context of your reading of the novel, you're going to see the, the characters develop and the plot change and develop and, you know, climax and resolution and all these things. You're going to be caught up in this story. But, and then, you know, on page 103, these people are, are, are having a conversation and you'll get what they're talking about because you've read the whole book. It'll make sense within the context. As opposed to, if I've never read, um, you know, The Notebook by Nicholas Sparks, and I open up to page 103, and I'm, I'm, I pull out this, this conversation that's being had, I could guess what's being said, or I could try to, like a, like a um, fortune cookie, apply it to my life. 
but I need to read the book in order to t- know what that conversation is meaning. That word is context. Context is the biggest determinant in determining what does a text mean. So for Job right here, um, we could read one of these passages where Job's friends is telling Job that he, he is just being punished by God. And if we had not read the whole book of Job, we might think, oh, God, this is, this is any suffering and all suffering is God's punishment. We could, we could read that. That would be out of context. It would be misapplied biblical theology. So that is that context. In, in English class, as a, as a kid, they taught me the word context clues. So just always pay attention to the context of the book you're, you're reading. And most of the time, you'll get it correct. Sometimes we're, we'll get it wrong. We're not perfect. And we need to be submissive to one another. But teachers, you have a high calling on you by God. God will hold you accountable to the things that you teach and the, the theology that you teach people because it's a huge, huge, huge deal. What we believe directly affects how we act. It's very important. The second thing I want to look at is verse... Five, Job says to his friends, oh, that you would keep silent. It would be your wisdom. Job's like, guys, please stop talking. You were making this worse. Have you ever been in a, had something hard happen to you and your friends came and they just wanted to fix it? And you're like, stop talking. Like, I don't need you to fix it right now. Like, you're just making it worse. That's what their friends were doing. They were just, they were given too many words and they, it was actually bad advice. And they were criticizing him when they really, he's saying the best thing you could have done, friends, could have done is just just been here. This thing is called the ministry of presence. Some of you guys are really wonderful at this ministry. The ministry of presence is just being there for somebody. Most of the time when people are hurting, the best thing that you can do is just be there. You don't have to say anything. I want to let you know I had a pastoral minister uh, friend one time tell me, he was teaching on pastoral ministry, and he said, guys, you do not have to say anything. Because there is a temptation when someone is hurting, you feel the need to, like, we can be tempted to feel the need to say something or say the right thing. You can feel nervous, like, I don't know what to say. I want to just tell you, if you're, if you're helping a friend who is going through something hard, the best thing you can do is just be there for them. You might say something, or you might not. The best thing you can do is be there for them and just listen to them. The ministry of presence. That's what Job needed from his friends. He got it for a week, and then they just turned on him. All right, guys, let's jump over to Job 23, and we'll see Job's response to God. So when we're in this this wave pool, we're just neck deep in in our emotions and our, our hurts and our um, our suffering, and then we got friends who are just shouting at us, confusing things about what God thinks about us. How do we know what's going on? How do we know why we're suffering? Job 23 shows Job is crying out to God. Have you been there? I'm sure you have. You are just in a, you're angry, you're mad. You're upset. You're just crying out to God. You got your fist in the air. Here's here's where Job is. Job answered and said, he's talking to God, Today my complaint is bitter, and my hand is heavy on account of my groaning. Oh, that I knew where I might find him, that I might come 
and even to his seat. I would lay my case before him, and I would fill my mouth with arguments. And I would know what he would answer me, and I would understand what he would say to me. Would he contend with me in the greatness of his power? No, he would pay attention to me. And there an upright man would argue with him, and I would be acquainted forever by my judge. Essentially what Job is saying is, I want to, God, I want to take you to court. God, you're wrong in doing this to me. So Job's under the understanding as well that God is directly um, giving him this affliction. That God is directly afflicting him. So God, Job's like, God, I'm righteous. I literally live every day righteously. And you're wrong. Apparently you got the wrong guy, God. Uh, I need to come before you and prove to you that I'm righteous. Job's mad, man. He's going through all the stages of grief. He's got his hand in the air, his fist in the air, and he's, he's, just, he's crying out to God, man. You can either, when you go through suffering, you can turn away from God, or you can draw near to God. You probably won't stay in the middle. You probably will not stay neutral to God when you go through suffering. So, this makes us ask the question, is it okay to be candid with God? Or, do we need to come to God prim and proper and nice? Is it okay to give God our rawness of our emotions? Is it okay to be real with God? Can He handle it? Can He handle our raw emotions? Let's flip over to Job chapter 38, where God finally responds. You're waiting a long time as you're reading this book. If you read this book this week, as was in the reading plan, you're like, God, when are you going to answer? Finally, in verse 38, it takes 38 chapters until God responds. We're going to camp out here and we're going to read God's response. <clears throat> then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this? that darkens counsel by words without knowledge. Dress for action like a man, and I will question you, and you make it known to me. Job, where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determines its measurements? Surely you know, Job. Or who stretched the line upon it? On what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together, and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Or who in the sea with doors, when it burst out of the womb, who shut in the sea? When I made clouds and garment and thick darkness its swaddling band, and described, prescribed limits for it, and set its bars and doors, and said, Thus far you shall come, and no farther, and here shall your proud waves be stayed. Have you commanded the morning since your days began and caused the dawn to know its place? That it might take hold of the skirts of the earth and the wicked be shaken out of it? It is changed like clay under the seal and its features stand out like a garment. From the wicked their light is withheld and their uplifted arm is broken. Job, have you entered into the springs of the sea or walked into the recesses of the deep? Have the gates of death been revealed to you, or have you seen the gates of deep darkness? Have you comprehended the expanse of the earth, 
Declare if you know all of this. Where is the way to the dwelling of light? And where is the place of darkness that you may take it to its territory and that you may discern the path to its home? You know, for you were born then, and the number of your days is great. Have you entered the storehouses of the snow? Or have you seen the storehouses of the hail, which I have reserved for the time of trouble and the day of battle and war? Where is the way to the place where the light is distributed? Or where is the east wind that's scattered upon the earth? Who has cleft a channel for the torrents of rain and for the thunderbolt to bring rain on a land where no one is, and the desert to where there is no man, to satisfy the waste of the desolate land and to make the ground sprout with grass? Has the rain a father? Or who has begotten the drops of dew? From whose womb did the ice come forth? And who has given birth to the frost of heaven? The waters become hard like stone, and the face of the deep is frozen. Can you bind the chains of the Pleiades or loose the cords of Orion? Can you lead forth the Maseroth in their season? Or can you guide the bear with its children? Do you know the ordinances of the heavens? Can you establish their rule on the earth? Can you lift up your voice to the clouds that a flood of waters may cover you? Can you send forth lightnings that they may go and say to you, Here we are. Who has put wisdom in the inward parts? Or given understanding to the mind? Who can number the clouds by wisdom? Or who can tilt the water skins of the heavens? When the dust runs into a mass and the clods stick fast together. Can you hunt the prey for a lion? Or satisfy the appetite of the young lions? When they crouch in their dens or lie in wait in the thicket. Who provides for the raven its prey? When its young ones cry to God for help and wander for lack of food. Do you know when the, mountains, when the mountain goats give birth? Do you observe the calv- calving of the does? Can you number the months that they fulfill? And do you know the time when they give birth? When they crouch and bring forth their offspring and are delivered of their young? And we'll stop there. So God goes on and questions Job for uh, God goes on and questions Job for four or five chapters. And God essentially is saying to Job, I created the cosmos and I created every animal in the whole world. And when you look up in the stars and in the sky and you see the constellations, you know who created those? I did. I'm, I'm speaking on behalf of God. I'm, this is what God's saying. Job, I, I lead the, the bear constellation. I, I lead them. I, I, I hold them in my hands. And Job, who feeds the lions? I feed the lions, Job. Who sees when... The goats give birth. I see that, Job. The point that God is making to Job is, Job, I take care of the universe. I take care of the the butterflies. I take care of the lilies of the field, the birds of the air. And as Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, I take care of you too, Job. God did not need Job to prove to God that Job was righteous. Remember, God knew Job was righteous. God was the one that recommended Job to be accused by Satan because of his righteousness. 
God knows what you're going through today, and He sees you. And you don't have to wonder if He knows how you feel. The Bible says somewhere that He holds every tear that you've ever cried. He knows every hair on your head. He knows your name. He formed you in the womb, and He cares about you. He deeply cares about you, and He knows every single thing about you, and He loves you so much. God is able to handle your questions, and God's able to take care of your life. One of the things I love to do is, when it's dark outside, is look up at the sky. It just doesn't get old. Looking at the stars does not get old. No one's like, I'm really bored of looking at the sky. Um, no one has ever said, I'm really tired of seeing sunsets. They're just kind of boring. God says, I, I, create, I, bring, I bring the sun up every morning. And what we are to do, we are to worship God in our suffering. We'll see Job's response here, and we'll flip over a couple of pages. Job chapter 42. <clears throat> Job 42. Job responds to God. Then Job answered the Lord. So the Lord says this. He says all these things. He questions Job. And he says, Job, answer me. Since you want to go to court with God, I'll question you and you answer me. So here is Job's response to God. Job answered and said, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? He's responding to God's question here. Therefore, I have uttered what I did not understand. Things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Hear, and I will speak, and I will question you and make it known to me. That's God's question to Job. And here he responds in verse 5. I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and in ashes. So, there is a big change of heart, a big change of attitude by Job here. Before he was shaking his fist at God and saying, God, I need to prove to you that you're wrong and I'm right. And here Job is completely changed and he's saying, God, I was saying things that I did not understand. And what he is doing here is he is submitting himself to God's kingship in his life. Job did not, notice God did not tell Job what we as the reader know. God didn't say to Job, here's exactly what's happening, Job. He didn't tell him. He didn't give him knowledge of what was happening. Job still didn't have any more answers than he had before, but God clarified Job's perspective of who God is. Because remember, our theology matters. What we think about God matters. And, and God was correcting Job and helping him to think rightly about who God is. And just like in Matthew chapter 6, when Jesus, who is God, said, if God takes cares of, care of the birds of the of the air and the lilies of the field, he cares for you as well. That's the point that God is making here. And here is what we are to do. In the midst of the pain of your suffering, you are to trust God. You are to trust God. I like happy endings to movies. I don't like it when they end sad. Some people like happy, sad endings. I don't, I don't understand that. I like happy endings. If you finish the book of Job 
after Job finishes this test by Satan, God gives him double of everything that he had before because God is the redeemer. God is the hero of this story. And God is uh, loving. He is gracious and kind. He is full of, of goodness. And uh, in the course of my six-year marriage to, to Caitlin, there's been a couple of conversations we had one came up this week, and I'm like, uh, you're constantly searching for sermon illustrations when you preach. And she said to me, you know, when I was a little kid, um, I wanted to be a princess. As in, I wanted to marry a prince. Clearly, I'm not a prince. And, I, and my response, she told me that like two or three times. And we were just talking, and, and I, my response is always the same. Well, sorry, you got me. And then I respond to her that, you know, you are a princess because God is your father and he's the king of the whole world, the kingdom of God. And so I want to say to you that you are a prince and a princess and you're a son and a daughter of God because of Jesus Christ. And uh, there's, there's no shortage of biblical passages that, that deal with suffering. And I'm grateful that Jesus, our Lord, suffered on our behalf. And it's because of the suffering of Jesus. He took the wrath of God that we deserved. And um, he shed his blood on a cross. And in doing so, he offered forgiveness to the entire world. So that we could be called sons and daughters of God. So, if you're here today and you have not placed your faith in Jesus, and that just simply means trust Jesus. Trust him. And worship him. If you, all you have to do is say, Jesus, I trust you, that you are the Savior, and I ask you for forgiveness. And his blood will forgive you of every and all sin, and you will be given eternal life. That is the hope. God is the hero, and he does not promise to take away our suffering on earth, but he does promise to take away our suffering in heaven. Romans 8 is a beautiful passage. And Paul reminds us, Romans 8, don't feel like you have to flip there. I'm going to read it to you. Romans 8 says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. You did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into a fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if we are children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided that we suffer with Him, in order that we also may be glorified with Him. For I consider that the sufferings of this present age are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed in us. So we remember that if we have faith, God does not promise to take away our suffering on earth. And quite, it's probably the opposite. He promises that we will face suffering here on earth. But He promises to give us eternal life where there will be unbroken relationships. There will be, we will be free of all pain and suffering. And we will know God face to face. And relationship with God will not be hard. And we will work and we will enjoy it. 
It will be fun to work. And we will enjoy fellowship and community in the kingdom of God. And that's what he's given to us, eternal life. And he's given us a hope. So, dear believer, take heart and worship God through your suffering. He loves you, he sees you, and he really is with you. And uh, Jesus knows, Jesus knows exactly what you're going through. It says in Hebrews, we have a high priest who is able to sympathize with our weakness. He, he suffered as well, and he went through, he lived a hard life on our behalf. Let's pray together and let's respond through song and let's trust the Lord. God, we thank you for the book of Job because we, we need wisdom because we lack it. And uh, when we look at the stories of the Bible, um, every one of them involves suffering. And Lord, we know that we walk through difficult seasons of life we have lots of questions. We have lots of emotions. Sometimes we just don't know what to do with all of it. And I pray now, God, for your presence of peace and of joy um, that through our trials and sufferings that we would grow in our relationship with you and that we would find intimacy with you that we would have not had otherwise and that as the New Testament teaches that you would build our character and that you would cause us to become more like Jesus and we pray for strength to continue to persevere. We thank you for the hope of heaven. We thank you that suffering causes kingdom character in your church and it causes us to think and long for the kingdom of God and not to love the things of this world. Father, I pray for for this church today that whatever we're walking through that we would trust you today wholeheartedly that we would worship you in the storm that we would worship you in the pain and that like Jesus Jesus also wanted he said Lord I pray that this cup would be taken away from me I don't want to do this Yet your will be done. And Lord, I pray that we would have the same mindset, O oh God, that Lord, the sufferings of this world are, 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 are sometimes really horrible. The things that people have to go through, even in this uh, faith family right here, are just heartbreaking. But I pray for faith, Lord. We pray for faith to continue looking to you, to continue worshiping and trusting you as long as we are on this planet. And God, we do thank you for the eternal life that you've given us through Jesus Christ and that the best days are truly yet to come. We thank you that we will know you face to face and that you will take away all pain and suffering. And God, as we respond now through song, we pray for your perfect peace, Lord, your joy, that even if you don't take away the pain or the suffering or remove the trial that 
Lord, your presence would be so evident with us and that we would know you more and more and that we would experience the joy of the kingdom of God here on earth. God, we love you and trust you and we submit ourselves to you and we give you all the praise and glory and we respond now by faith in Jesus' name. Amen.